Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, glory and honour and praise be to you. Maybe we have a faint idea of what heaven will be like. A shadow of what the new earth will be like when Jesus returns and we have new bodies, forever young, forever perfect, forever sinless, forever immortal, not able to die. A perfect world without death and sin and suffering, with animals and rivers and trees and fruit and joy, perfect love, the glory of God, our light. O oh Lord, give us a taste, even more, even greater, of what awaits us. And I pray that you would visit us this evening from a very strange topic, but still your word, that we may understand and learn and obey. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, Colossians 2, verse 20. And as you saw, I'm preaching on obsessive compulsive disorder. And I'll explain that for those who don't have an idea what that is. You might just find out that's you. I really struggled with preparation for the sermon. And Deirdre said to me, now, right before the service, you shouldn't struggle so much. You had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so the very first time I actually heard about this thing was I was still a child and my grandmother told me about this. My grandmother told me about someone I knew and still know very well and said that this person, a child at that stage, went to the psychologist and she was diagnosed with OCD. Uh, and so for the rest of the night when I say OCD, you, you know what that means, obsessive compulsive disorder. So I think at that stage it was still called obsessive compulsive disease or something they still categorized it as, as a disease. Um, this, this girl, what she would do is she couldn't function at school because I haven't got all my crowns. I haven't got all my coloring crowns. Uh, one of them's gone and they're not in order. And so I need all the colors in a specific order, otherwise I can't do my work at school. And everything needs to be perfect. And if something is not perfect, then it's like I go haywire. And I can't, things don't connect in my, in my mind and I can't function. So OCD, if I can give you a short description of it, OCD is if you have repetitive thoughts that cause extreme anxiety and you feel that I can't get rid of this anxiety for the most part, unless I, there's this compulsion, this drive inside of me that says I must perform some action to get so, so the, the thoughts will die down. And actually it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Here, here are some examples. For instance, I've got such an obsession in my mind and such a fear of germs that I need to wash my hands all the time. I need to wash my hands 20 times a day, 30 times, 40 times until the skin goes raw. I've got such a, a fear of germs that I need to clean all the time. I can't just sweep my floor once. I can't just mop the floor once. I must do it three times a day, five times a day. 
and I need to keep on cleaning and cleaning and domestos and Andy, Andy and Jick and do all that kind of stuff. I had a teacher when I was in high school. She was my history teacher in grade nine. And I remember once in history class, she says, just think how gross this is. If you go to a shopping mall or you go to some shop and there's an escalator, and you actually touch the side. Think of all the germs, everyone who's touched there. So she had this phobia, this fear of germs. Or maybe you've got in your mind this frustration. It's like everything. Let me frustrate Amelia. <laughs> I would even frustrate myself, Amelia. <laughs> that was so. This is not in the middle. I even do this. This is not in the middle. <laughs> okay, so, but now this becomes, it's not just, it's not mere perfectionism. It becomes an obsession. You're fr so frustrated, everything is not perfect. So again and again, you have to go back to your cupboard and, and all the mugs, they have to be in different colors or an order, these colors sorted together, and that's fine to be neat, but it's, it becomes an obsession. And you can't function if everything, all the mugs don't look the same, all the tin foods don't face the same way. Um, or your pencils, your crayons, your coloring crayons, it's not all, uh, all the red together, all the blue together. You know, there's two, oh, Nicole is smiling at me. <laughs> uh, and, and what I said this morning is like you, you, you can't even just walk normally in a shopping center. You mustn't step on this lines, you know, that kind of thing. And another, another example would be an obsession or almost such a fear of, uh, of death that you, you check the stove, you'll get up three times in the night, did I switch, put the stove off? Now it's fine to check if you put the stove off, but if you checked it once, you don't have to check it 15 times. Or you need to lock the doors, or the doors locked, or the doors locked, again and again, going back to check, did I lock the doors, did I not? Or going around the block, not once, to check, did I leave the garage door open, but going around the block five times to see, did I leave the garage door open? You can't function. Um, without counting things again and again. So I need to count the stairs again and again. Counting the stairs. You're sitting here and please don't do it. Luckily there aren't bricks. But counting the bricks while the preaching's, did I count it right? Did I count it right? Count the bricks again and again. You know, those kinds of people, they can't just switch on the light. They have to do it seven times. Okay. <laughs> All right, now you hear this and you say, okay, it's weird, but why is it a problem? I'm going to give you a number of reasons tonight. I'm going to show you why it's a problem. I'll just give you two, two reasons why it's a problem right in the introduction. One reason it's a problem is because it pushes people away. And my wife is right. I, I speak from experience. It pushes people away. You put people off. Um, example. When I was a student, my hangers in my uh, cupboard, a man at me, a wardrobe, you need to need. Hey, okay. So the hangers with the clothes, okay, three fingers apart, all of them. Okay, and that's fine, all facing the same way. Now some people will go further, all the colors together. But then the problem c comes, you're such a perfectionist. People don't want to visit you because I was a student, so we each have our own room. Someone sits on your bed and immediately they, I was knocking his opening, he's like busy getting up and up. Make the bed straight again. Uh, that's off-putting to people. Or people visit you and it's like they walk in your door and you sweep behind them. That's off-putting. Uh, and people don't want to come there. They don't feel welcome. 
I remember Deirdre feeling offended. We were not engaged yet. And I had put in my diary, okay, every single thing, quiet time, breakfast, you know, all of that, and then Deirdre. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Dunette. I would feel offended too if I was her and she was me. <laughs> yeah, my friend, I remember a friend actually uh, teasing me about that because I was, I was, I was sure, you know, everything in slots like that, even, even till not long ago, Deirdre would say, she would tell me, she, she would say, why can't you just, if you want to go to the church and do something, to the church building, why can't you just go? Why must you say, I need to go quarter to? No, it can't be 44, it must be 45. <laughs> you know, working in slots like that. <laughs> um, and I remember in Nelspreet, because my diary is, I absolutely, it's like, if something happens, I'm not flexible. Because now, it does, it's not in my diary. How am I going to do this now? And so I came to a T-junction. Him and I were in the car. I was driving. And I didn't know which way. Which way must we go? Is the place we're looking for that way? He said, I don't know. What does your diary say? <laughs> you know, teasing me. Uh, and it's funny. It's funny. But it was true. And I realized, you've got a problem. You have a problem. I know a... Another person like that, who also, you visit the person, you, you don't feel welcome. I think it's better now than it used to be, because you, you can hardly put your mug down if you had a cup of Milo hot chocolate or you people who drink coffee. <laughs> you can hardly put the mug down, then it's, the mugs must face this way, they must be in a line, or pick it up. It's like you, uh, now this didn't happen, but it's this kind of thing. It's like you want to take that last bite of your meal you're having with the people and <laughs> your plate is taken away. And this I've seen really, that you visit these kinds of people and then they don't visit with you because they feel they have to wash the dishes, everything needs to be perfect. And you're sitting in the lounge all alone. So that's why it's a problem. One reason, another reason it's a problem is because you never finish a task. If you're such a perfectionist, if you have such an obsession, you don't get things done. Uh, for instance, the one example I read in the week when I was preparing for the sermon, a guy who was, he couldn't, he couldn't finish a reading assignment for school because he thought, did I, I don't want to lie and say I finished the reading report and I didn't. Did I read the first line? And he reads it again. Then he reads the second line. Oh, did I read the second line properly? He reads it again. And he couldn't finish things. And I remember I was like that with my quiet time. That was just, I would, I would call it almost legalism. Where with my quiet time, I had a certain number of chapters I read every day in the Bible. And I have a prayer list that I pray through. And then I would feel, because I didn't read those number of chapters and I don't have time, I overslept, then I don't do it at all. So it's all or nothing kind of thing. How do you grow in a relationship with the Lord if it's ticking the boxes? You know, it's mechanical, it's clinical, it's cold. Saying, all right, now I need to do this for the Lord. That's not Christianity. So that's another reason that becomes a problem. And I'm going to show you some even worse problems with this issue than I just showed you. So how do you, how do you overcome OCD? And I think Colossians 2, at least gives us part of that answer. So if you have your Bible, Colossians 2 verse 20. 
If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle. Do not taste. Don't touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now I'm just going to give you two commands tonight that we're going to work through to overcome OCD. The first one is remember your position. Remember your position, and that's in verse 20. So here's an example of this. So here's Edward, we'll call him Edward, and Edward again and again is checking his money. Do I have enough money to pay my taxes? And he goes through it again. Do I have enough money? I need to pay these things. If Edward remembers his position, he will stop stressing. Because who is Edward? He's the crown prince. He's the king's son. He doesn't pay tax. He doesn't have to pay tax. And the same with a person who has OCD. If you remember your position in Christ, who are you in Christ? What is your position? Then you don't need to be a slave to all these regulations. I need to do this. I need to have things in order perfectly. I need to wash my hands again. I need to wash my hands again. I need to wash my hands again. I need to clean again, clean again, clean again. I need to check the doors again. You don't need to submit to those regulations and be a slave. Jesus has written those regulations off. He has nailed them to the cross. All this slave enslavement to regulations. Verse 14. Jesus, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That word legal demands in the Greek is the same root as verse 20 where it speaks in the end of regulations. Jesus nailed it to the cross. Jesus set us free from that. And we have died with Christ to these regulations. Look at verse 20 again. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. Now elemental spirits, um, if you go back to verse 8, at the end of the verse it says elemental spirits of the world. And there's a little footnote in the ESV, it says elementary principles. So that can also be certain regulations. You're such a slave to these things, Jesus died to set you free. You're not in bondage. You're not a slave to say, oh, I've got these things, I need to do it, need to do it, need to do it. You don't need to. And because it's translated elemental spirits, that's, another, that's a possible translation, the ESV follows that. Because it's translated that way, you are also set free from cosmic spirits. That is evil spirits controlling these kinds of things, wanting you in bondage. You can't be free like I was. You're always like this and I can't do things, I can't function. You are set free. We're not in bondage. Jesus conquered these spirits, these evil spirits when he died on the cross. Verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing triumphing over them in him. Verse 20 again. We died to these spirits with Christ, in Christ. So... They cannot control you that you've got this obsession and you are compelled, you are moved, you are forced. I have to do this. You don't need to do that. By the power of God's Spirit who lives in you, you can control your thoughts and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Romans 8 verse 5, the mind 
that is set on the Spirit. Your thoughts are set on the things of the Holy Spirit. You can say no to those obsessions and those compulsions. So no demon, no regulation, no religion, no tradition, no philosophy, no obsession is your master. You have a new master and his name is Jesus. And you see this in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Jesus is that master. Verse 16. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or regard to a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. Verse 18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on ascetism, I'm going to explain that just now, and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, and puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. And then our text that I just read, verse 20 to 23, all these regulations, don't touch that, don't do that, do this, keep this, keep these laws, this order. None of that. Romans 6 verse 14 says, no sin will have no dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. And then Galatians 4 verse 3 also, 4 verse 9 and 10, you are not under these regulations. And these elemental spirits trying to control you, Jesus is master. Verse 6, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You've received Jesus, he's your master. Verse 9, who is this Jesus? In him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is God. That's what it's saying. And if he's God and if he's Lord, then he's your Lord, your master. You have bowed the knee to Christ. You've repented. You've turned to Jesus by faith and received him as your savior. Then follow him as your Lord and savior. He is the firstborn of creation, which does not mean that he's created. It means he has the rights of the firstborn. Everything belongs to him. He inherits everything. Chapter 1, verse 15. He's the creator of all things. Chapter 1, verse 16. Visible and invisible. He upholds all things in creation. Chapter 1, verse 17. He's the head of the church. Chapter 1, verse 18. The firstborn of the dead. dead. Chapter 1, verse 18. The fullness of God is in him. Chapter 1, verse 19. He died for our sins to set us free. And unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Chapter 1 verse 20. All the wisdom and knowledge is in Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 verse 3. Chapter 3 verse 3. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Chapter 3 verse 11. Christ is all and in all. Chapter 3 verse 17 or verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in your heart richly. Verse 17, thank God for everything and do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. So this is your Lord, not your OCD, not your rules and regulations that you follow. Verse 18, you submit to Christ. He's your Lord. Verse 20, try to please the Lord. I know it's speaking about children, but that's in general. Try to please, we seek to please the Lord. 3 verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. You do everything for the Lord, for Jesus, and not for your obsessions. 
So why should you then live, if Jesus is your Lord, why should you live as if you are a slave to regulations and rules and obsessions? I need to pack this right. I need to clean again. I need to clean again. I need to wash my hands all the time. I need to check the doors all the time. Is it locked? Is it locked? That's not your boss. Verse 20, chapter 2, verse 20. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why? Why, as if you are still alive to the world, do you submit to regulations? Now let me go through this in detail a bit. Are you afraid of dying? Is that the reason you've got OCD? Are you so afraid of death that you need to check the stove, the house is going to burn down, I need to check it again and again. Did I switch off the stove? I'm so afraid of death, I need to check the doors again and again. Maybe someone comes in and kills us, and I've got a bit of that. Why are we so afraid of death? Didn't Jesus say that the keys of death and Hades are in my hands? Revelation 1 verse 18. Does not the writer to the Hebrews say in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15, since therefore the children, that's us, children of God, we share in flesh and blood. In other words, we've got bodies. He himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. Jesus had a body. Jesus is God. He became man, a real human. So that through death he might destroy the one who has power over death. That's the devil. Why? To deliver all those who through fear of death we're subject to lifelong slavery. That's who you were. We were afraid of death all the time. Jesus has set you free. What's death going to do to you? Take you to Jesus? Now you're afraid? Sounds like the lady in Polokwane. Someone came into her house with a gun. And he said, I'm going to kill you. And she said, you really think you're going to threaten me with death? You're sending me to Jesus? I'm not afraid. And the guy ran away. Maybe, maybe you've got OCD and, and the reason is because you want to feel in control. I'm in control. I lock the doors. I, I'm in control of our safety. But I just said this to my mother-in-law last Sunday, I think. Um, Psalm 127. If God does not protect the city, it doesn't help you've got soldiers on the walls. God is our protector. I'm not saying be, be responsible. I'm just saying don't have an obsession. We don't need to live in that kind of fear or you want to feel in control because I'm in control everything's perfect I'm in control see everything my pencils my crowns are all in order and everything's in in, in mint condition and so you now you feel in control you're not in control Psalm 135 verse 6 the Lord does whatever he pleases in heaven on earth in the sea and all their deeps God is in control we are not sovereign Maybe you've got OCD and the reason is because you're proud. There's this pride. I feel, I feel proud about myself and, and look what I've accomplished and I'm cleaner than other people and my house is perfect and all the mugs are perfect in the cupboard. Yes, it's good to be neat. I think that's, uh, the opposite is also bad, being a slob. Um, but it's good to be neat because God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 and verse 40. So that's good, but... Man, to be like Martha running around. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious about many things. Just running around all the time, so anxious. These needs to, I need to have everything perfect. Uh, that's also a problem. Only God is perfect. Yes, we should be neat, but you're not God. You're not God where everything is absolutely perfect and you can try to control that. Or maybe OCD, another reason people have that, is uh, because they feel dirty. And they think some physical action can have a spiritual result, like washing hands. 
Now, that's not the reason everyone does that, but some people do. It's like they feel dirty, they've got a guilty conscience, they feel sin inside of them, and so now they wash their hands all the time. Kind of an expression, you know, to try and feel cleaner. Uh, but that's not the way to do it. You'll never get a clean conscience by washing your hands. Because Hebrews 9 verse 14 and Hebrews 10 verse 22 tells us that only the blood of Jesus can cleanse your conscience. And get rid of your sin. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from all sin. 1 John 1 verse 7. Or maybe OCD for some people. It's this... Um, what's poging? It's this attempt to, to, in, to kind of get God's favor, uh, to let him see you. Look, I'm really trying to, uh, like, like the text Yusha read to us, where the Pharisees, it's like they're washing their hands. It's not for hygienic reasons for them. They're washing their hands because it's the spiritual reasons. They think God is now more pleased with them. Look, I've washed my hands. I've done the ceremony. Now, now because I, done, I did some action to my body, uh, some physical action, now I think it can cleanse my spirit. It can't. It can't. Only Jesus. Only Jesus is pleasing to his Father because of his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection. Only Jesus, his sacrifice was a sweet-smelling savor. It was a perfect sacrifice, and his father, father was pleased with that, Ephesians 5, verse 2. And only by believing in Jesus, by trusting in Christ, the perfect one, will you be accepted, and will you be pleasing to God, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Or maybe some people have OCD because they wanna, they've, they've got this perfect standard they want to reach. I need, to, I need this perfect standard and that's why I need to clean f five times. And that's why I need to have everything perfect. In that case, I think that was my problem. Maybe pride was one thing. But in that case, you are making an idol of being neat. That becomes your God. Anything can become an idol. That was certainly my idol. I remember my CDs all have to be in alphabetical order and don't change them. And you're making more of your own standard than of God's standard. God wants you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And that's a high standard. That's an impossible standard. But through Christ, it's possible because of what he did for us. And now through his spirit, he's changing us to, to do that. But now, if you have OCD, you have very little time for God. You have very little time for pleasing God and obeying God. And you have very little time to love your neighbor. Why? Because you're so busy cleaning. You're so busy packing everything right. Everything needs. You don't have time for people. Actually, it's like this morning's sermon. You care more for your rules and regulations than for people. You care more for your rules and regulations and your order and your obsession than for God. And that really becomes a problem. And so the solution to that is simple. Confess your sin. Say, Lord, forgive me. So my sin was not, oh, cleaning, as if cleaning is a sin, but that it became an obsession, it's become an idol to me, and my sin was neglecting loving other people, because, hey, you can't even visit me, I have to sweep behind you when you enter the door. Okay, secondly, second command, if you're going to overcome OCD, is reject man-made religion. Reject man-made religion, and that's in verse 21 to 23. Now, you've probably heard of contemplative praying, Contemplative praying means uh, people, so a person will, let's say, for instance, enter an empty church building and will sit there and then just be quiet and try to switch off. 
And then eventually somewhere in the process where the person speaks what they call in quotes, quote-unquote, a, a holy word. So peace, or they'll even say Mary, or, and they'll keep on saying that, Mary, 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 a Roman Catholic kind of thing, or peace, 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 peace. Um, now, there are some people with OCD that do that kind of thing. It's like they'll repeat, just mutter a word, the same word over and over, over and over, over and over. Maybe to get rid of guilt, I don't know, or clean conscience. I don't know why they do that. But muttering these words, saying them over and over, that is false religion. That is man-made religion. Jesus said that in Matthew 6 verse 7. The pagans, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, they think when they pray to their gods, they need to say the same words over and over. A repetition, vain repetition of words. Just say it again and again and again and again. And you've got the same principle in verse 21 and 22. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Man-made stuff. Referring to things that perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. So here are the false teachers. The false teachers came into this church and they've got all these man-made regulations saying, if you do this, don't touch that, don't touch, that's unclean, don't eat that. All these rules. And you think if you do that, that can actually cleanse your soul. And it's not only the Judaists, the Judaizers did that. These Judaizers with Jewish background, and they would come and say, no, no, that's unclean, don't touch that, don't do And this is going to purify your soul, you'll be clean, clean to God if you don't touch that. But also another false teaching called Gnosticism. Now Gnosticism actually only came in the 2nd century, but there was what was called Proto-Gnosticism. So it's the kind, it's the beginning of this Gnosticism. Gnosticism... Uh, it's a religion with a lot of nonsense in it. The New Age today, New Age, that's just Gnosticism. Um, so one of the things they said is that the body, anything material, anything you can, you can experience with your five senses, that is impure and unclean. The real pure things is the things that are immaterial, like your spirit. So that is pure. So the body, you know, this is an unclean thing. It's a bad thing. That's just Greek dualism. It's just Greek philosophy and Greek nonsense to say that kind of thing. So because the body is unclean and everything material, don't eat this, don't get married, that's bad. You know how bad marriage is for you? Yeah, I see the wives nodding at their husbands. <laughs> yeah, that's 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 to 3. Listen to what Timothy writes, or Paul writes to Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly says in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. What do they say? They forbid marriage. Does that sound familiar? That sounds like the Roman Catholic Church, the monks and the nuns. They forbid marriage. You're more spiritual if you don't get married. They forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods. Don't eat that. That is unclean, that is unspiritual if you eat. There's something bad will happen to you if you drink coffee. And something good if you eat chocolate. Mm. But, but how can food that just goes through your digestive system, it goes through your stomach, and it gets flushed away in a sewage system, how's that going to make your spirit unclean? Look at verse 21, 20, uh, 21 and 22 again. Do not handle, this is the false teachers, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, referring to things that all perish. It gets flushed away. 
it perishes as it's used. That's just human teachings. That's human religion. That's man-made stuff. That's not God telling you to do that. Jesus created everything. Chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 of chapter 2. Let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink. Don't eat this. No, verse 17. Those are just a shadow of the things to come. The substance belongs to Christ. You've got Jesus. Don't need all these regulations. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Didn't, didn't the first chapter of the Bible end this way? And God saw that all that he had made and it was very good. It was evening and it was morning the sixth day. It's very good. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 that I read just now, verse 3, they for, these false teachers, they forbid marriage, require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. It's made holy by the word of God and prayer. So in the New Testament, Jesus not only created everything good, Jesus declared all foods clean. Mark chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. All foods are declared clean. You remember Cornelius and Peter? And, and Peter's on the roof and the sheet comes down and the, all these animals, and some of them are unclean, and the Lord says, you can slaughter, you can eat the animals. And he said, I'll never eat that, Lord. I've never let anything unclean come over my lips. And the Lord says, again, three times he says, and Peter doesn't know, what's this about? And then eventually he meets some non-Jews, and he goes into their house, and he's free to eat with them. And the Lord saves them. He says, from any nation, any nation, God saves people, and people turn to the Lord, and they fear the Lord, and they worship the true God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. So no nonsense of don't eat that. What's food going to do? Is food going to bring you nearer to God? 1 Corinthians 8 verse 8, it can't. Is it going to take you further from God? It can't. Food can do nothing of the sort. And I'll preach a sermon on problems like that. Now maybe I'm going to have some OCD person say to me, yes, you're talking about all spiritual stuff and religion. That's not, what, that's not my problem. The reason I wash my hands all the time is not to be more spiritual or less spiritual. The reason I wash my hands all the time is because this phobia I have, this fear I have of germs, it's for good hygiene. It's still false religion because you're making an idol of good hygiene. It's still false religion. You're living in fear and you're forgetting God is sovereign over illness. Deuteronomy 32 verse 39, I wound and I heal. I uh, make alive, I kill, says the Lord. There's no one who can deliver from my hand. I am your healer, says the Lord to Israel in Exodus 15 verse 26. And I will not put the, the diseases of Egypt on you if you obey me. But in Deuteronomy 28, because uh, a warning there, if you do disobey me, I will put the disease of, disease of Egypt, these diseases upon you. So the Lord is sovereign over illness, not germs. Yes, I know we want good hygiene and that's good and that's right, but don't, make an, don't become obsessed with it. Where it becomes your idol that you bow before, your golden calf you worship. It sounds very wise to you and I, and especially to me, because I was the super disciplined person, and yes, in a sense, I'm still disciplined. But it's like we think this being super disciplined and hyper disciplined and having an obsession with self discipline, it sounds like wisdom, as if that can save you. It cannot. 
23. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom. It appears wise, it's not wise. Let me ask you a question, OCD. Can it take away the fear of death? OCD, does it? Can it, can it take away illness from you? You're never going to get sick. Can it prevent you from dying? No, it doesn't do any of those things. So it's not wisdom. It looks like wisdom, it's not. Where will we find wisdom? Where will we find real wisdom to drive out all fear? Look at chapter 2 verse 3. In Christ, if you connect it to verse 2, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There is the true wisdom you need to overcome these fears that you have. Only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 34 verse 5. I think this must be one of Mariki's favorite songs. Uh, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And then one of the verses says, This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all his fears. The Lord can deliver us from all those fears. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see, it's perfect love that will cast out fear. It's the love of Christ in us that will cast out fear. Because what does fear do? Fear is self-focused. I need to protect myself. It looks inward. Where love is the opposite. Love thinks, forget about myself. How can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I honor my Lord because I love and want to obey Him? And that casts out the fear. You just forget about the fear. So OCD, in the end, OCD, can I say it this way to you? It says obsessive compulsive disorder. Actually, OCD is obsession with self. My safety. I need to check the doors in the stove all the time. My health. I need to wash my hands, get rid of germs, clean the house a hundred times. My order. I need everything in order. I need to be neat. All about me. It's all about me. All about me. True religion is not like that. True religion is not ascetic. And now I'm going to explain the word. Afrikaans asketis. Ascetic is like a monk, a Roman Catholic monk, where they go and hide somewhere in a monastery and they mustn't mingle with the world. They mustn't see unbelievers because it's going to contaminate them and they'll become all diseased spiritually. And, then you know, I must remain clean. I don't want to see anything. Ask Martin Luther all about that. He thought he could escape from the world that way. Oh, and then he discovered the sin is right inside of his heart. And with OCD, that's the same kind of thing. You know, trying to avoid, I need to avoid, I don't shake people's hands. No, sorry, I just hide. I don't, and COVID actually helped us in that way. Not helped for the better, helped for the worse. You know, I don't shake hands. I'm so afraid of germs. So afraid of germs. You need to, I need to protect myself. And so it says in verse 23, these have the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and ascetism. Where you go somewhere far away like these monks. Or punishing yourself. It says in verse 23, severity to the body. Now you know that some of these monks you've seen or some of these Catholics actually whip themselves till they bleed. But not only that. Also wearing coarse clothes. You've got material that actually has to scratch you. It's so uncomfortable. And you hurt your body or like Martin Luther before he was converted would lie on the floor all night on a 
in, in the winter in a, on a cold stone floor to try and punish himself, to show to God, I'm really sorry for my sin. Um, or you fast for days on end until you, you can't even walk. People have to carry you. You're so weak from fasting, not eating and praying all night and confessing your sins for Martin Luther at one stage would confess his sins for six hours confessing sins just at, at the confessional booth there's the um, abbot or whoever um, these Roman Catholic orders and confessing his sin confessing it and then he, and eventually the guy lost his temper he said come with real sin <laughs> yeah and the same with OCD OCD, all of this like punishing severity to the body, not whipping yourself but washing the hands until they bleed. It doesn't help. True religion doesn't do that. True religion forgets about itself. True religion is focused on Christ. True religion does verse 1 to 4 of chapter 3. It seeks Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. You are Christ focused. You are God focused. Not self focused. Self protection. Self cleansing. All of that kind of stuff. And OCD falls into that slot. Only Jesus can remove sin. Chapter 1 verse 14. In whom, that is the Son of God, previous verse, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Rules will not remove your sin. Regulations will not remove your sin. Obsessions will not make you a better person in the sight of God. Verse 23, chapter 2 at the end. They, all these things, regulations, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh, of the sinful nature. So can I say this to you? If you have these obsessions, and I had them, believe me. If you have these obsessions, replace your obsession with Jesus. Let Jesus become your obsession, if I may use that word. Not disrespectfully, but I mean, Jesus. Jesus must be everything to you. Just like these obsessions used to be. Let Jesus become that. That's what the Apostle Paul did. Paul was like this before he was saved. Don't touch that. Don't do that. This is going to make you unclean. Wash your hands uh, for ceremonial and spiritual reasons so you'll be more acceptable to God. Paul did exactly that. And Paul realized I was so zealous. I was so obsessed with this. And now I've changed. God saved me. And now I've become the person. Jesus is my all. It was all these rules and regulations. And now I want nothing. I regard all of those obsessions, all of those rules and regulations that I lived for and thought that could save me, I regard them as rubbish. And we often say, oh yes, I'll throw away my sin, I repent of my sin, I regard it as rubbish. Actually, we should say, and all the rules I lived according to, all my good works I try to, try to rest on and trust in. Throw it away, these obsessions. Give me Jesus and Jesus only. All these is done for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want to chase? So if I can give you some practical pointers. Rather than washing your hands a hundred times a day. 
Why not rather do what Ruth prayed today and Ruth prayed this yesterday? Why not rather say, who can come before the Lord? He who has pure heart, clean hands and a pure heart. Have, have clean hands, not in terms of hygiene, but clean hands in terms of obedience. Saying, Lord, I want this. I want this. James 4 verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Wash your hearts. Purify your hearts. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Replace it with that. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of every defilement of body and spirit. Body not meaning good hygiene or taking a shower. Body meaning the, the sins that I do with my body. Cleanse yourself of this and so bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. Say, Lord, I don't want, I don't want clean hands just to get rid of germs. Lord, I want a clean heart. I want a clean life. Rather than counting the stairs or counting the bricks again and again and again and again, rather than doing that, why not rather count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Why not do Psalm 103 verse 2, where David said, I will not forget all of his benefits. I will never forget all these things and think what the Lord has done for you. Count that rather than counting bricks and stairs. Instead of having everything perfect, everything needs to wash the floor five times with chicken, Andy, Andy, and Domestos, rather than doing that and packing again and packing again and packing again, why not rather say, I can never be perfect except through Jesus Christ. Let His righteousness cover me. Let His blood cleanse me. Let me strive by the power of the Spirit to be holy, for God is holy. And let me look forward to a perfect world where everything will be perfect, not because of obsession, but because of the perfect work of the only perfect one, and that is God. Instead of checking the locks all the time and again and again and again, instead of checking the stove all the time, why not rather check your heart and see, are you in the faith? Why not rather test yourself, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Test yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Am I really a follower of Jesus? Am I really a believer in Christ? Am I really born again? Check that. That's more important than checking the locks. You need to be certain when you stand before God on the day of judgment, are you right with God through Christ? So don't waste your life like I wasted a lot of time in my life because of this issue. Because you want this germ-free existence. I want this germ-free existence. Why not, why not rather be zealous and, and desire to honor Jesus Christ? To say, if, whether I live or die, if I get germs or don't get germs, if I get sick or don't get sick, if the house burns down or doesn't burn down, whether I live or die, I am the Lord's. Paul was like that in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said, I don't care. I don't care. I know I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm walking into the lion's den. I'm walking into a trap. They'll kill me. They'll arrest me. I know this might happen. I go to prison for Christ. I may even die, but I don't care. I'll do anything for Jesus. I'll do anything for the one who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll honor him with my life. I'll honor him with my death. Whether by life or by death, I want to please this Lord. So whether I, if I live, it is Christ. If I die, it is gain. 
running away from germs. You see, for the Apostle Paul, it didn't go about self. He didn't care about self. Paul said, if I live or if I die, the Lord's in the same with Jesus, the supreme example of this. Jesus did not care about his own life. Jesus did it all for the glory of his Father and for the salvation of our souls. He didn't think, I'm afraid, I'm, I'm afraid I might die, I'm afraid I... And these obsessions. And because Jesus did this, and he said, I lay it all, I do it all for my Father, and in obedience to him to save sinners. Because of that, Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11, Therefore, God has exalted him and given him a place above all so that at the name of Jesus should bow every knee of those who are on heaven, on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And wouldn't the same go for you and for I if you have OCD? You've got this issue, or you're doing this. OCD is not something you've got, it's something you do. What does it help you protect yourself from germs, and from scallops, and from a house burning down, from death? And you die unsaved. What does that help? Wouldn't it make sense to say what Jesus said? He who would save his life, what's, what's going to happen? You're going to lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake in the gospel, he'll save it. Heavenly Father, blessed be your name. Glory to the Most High, the creator of heaven and earth. O oh God, apart from this issue of OCD, would you not visit us, O Lord? Yes, for those who need to say, Lord, I've made an idol of these things. I'm obsessed with myself. Yes, help them, but actually all of us, we come and bow humbly before you and ask that you would see your beloved Son in our place. And you would have mercy on us and visit us from on high and pour your Spirit upon us anew and afresh. And do a work by the power of your Spirit in our midst and through us unto the world. We may take the good news to the ends of the earth. And Lord, it is easy to sing and easy to pray. Help us not to be disobedient to you, but to love Christ and live Christ. To the glory of the Father. Amen.